Hi, everybody. Cheryl Atkinson here. Welcome to another edition of the Cheryl Atkinson Podcast. Today, the hard truth about mammograms, radiation, cancer, dense breast tissue, and why more women aren't being screened with ultrasound. Megan Smith is the director of Boobs, the War on Women's Breasts. You were here on our podcast previously, so let's do a little bit, before we get to the news, a little bit of going over what your documentary is about and why it matters, and then we'll get to what's happened since then. Can you give us sort of a summary or a few bullet points? Sure. So um, I've had three of my friends pass a breast cancer, I think we all have at this point, and um, that was one of the impetus for doing this film. Um, I felt like the information of on mammograms was not being put out into the public, all of it, and sometimes not truthfully. They were skewing um, information for whatever reason, and I felt that that needed to be changed. And also, there's a lot of concern about mammograms in the scientific community and, and the medical community um, about the radiation and some other things I'll go into. And there's another way we could be um, doing uh, screening without radiation, and that is ultrasound in conjunction in conjunction with thermograms. And I can explain that later. Well, it's just so interesting because all the things, and I think we spoke about this before, that you raise, some of them are kind of common sense, and I've raised them with my own doctor to get, you know, some admissions on his part, but also some pat answers. Like I've asked him, hey, doesn't is there a point of diminishing returns when you're radiating the breast so much through mammograms or so often and squishing them and traumatizing them? Like, could that increase the risk of cancer? He's like, yeah, well, yeah. And I've asked about ultrasound as an alternative that's less, you know, potentially harmful. And as you have found, they just, they're locked into whoever's dictated or suggested the guidelines won't do that stuff out of order. Um, and since we talked, I'll share one little personal note. I had a mammogram that, you know, they, if they find this little thing on it, they want to do it again. Or if it's blurry, they want to do it again. So here I am getting more x-ray on the same visit. And then when they wanted to ultrasound it, they sent me to another facility that wanted to re-x-ray it a mm. third time mm. and before the ultrasound. And I had to let them because... I guess I could have walked out, but, you know, to get the ultrasound, they insisted on doing another x-ray, even though I'd had my x-rays a week before. So what are your, what are the basics, again, before we get to some of the news that's happened since, what are the basics you'd like people to know about this, that women aren't being told routinely? Well, the big issue, the reason the guidelines changed back in 2009 and are still shifting around is because of the concern of um, a couple of things, overdiagnosis of this uh, precancer called DCIS stage zero, which is ductal carcinoma in situ. And also there is concern about radiation. That's one of the reasons they were pulling back, the two reasons they were pulling back and saying every other year and they were changing the year that we started getting mammograms was because of mostly because of those two things. That's what I was reading. They weren't clear about that when they came out with the press releases and stuff. Um, but that's, yeah, yeah, that's, but that's what my research has shown. Um, yeah, I understand what you went through. I've gone through that also. 
And when you when you switch facilities, they always make you get the scans. I mean, I'm hearing cancer patients getting CAT scans again, which are really high in radiation. Um, so that's just I don't I don't know. It's it's a mess out there, Cheryl. Well, and and not to go off, but they insist there's no risk to any of this. There's no radi no real radiation that matters. And I try to say, gosh, my whole life now I'm in my 60s. I remember when they were like, oh, your dental x-rays have no meaningful radiation. And now they tell you, oh, but the new ones really don't. The old ones, this, you know, those, yeah, those had a lot, but these are way better. Like, they just don't ever seem to want to characterize the truth, their goal, or they're taught to minimize, I guess, the potential risk or your concerns about it. Um, my husband had a PET scan recently, and the technician although we didn't ask, said repeatedly, there are no side effects. And mm -hmm. I'm like, well, every procedure that they're putting, I think they're putting some kind of radioactive medicine in you for that. Every procedure has potential side effects. Why does she keep saying there aren't any? And it just sort of erodes your trust when they claim something that you know isn't true and then they're yeah. treating you. Yeah, the whole radiation thing, um, they are really covering this stuff up. And in fact, I, I, t I had high dose radiation tests. I, they kept telling me it was low, low dose radiation. It was high. And I raised a stink about it with the lawyer at the hospital. And they made my, without telling me, they just made my bill disappear <laughs> because they knew I didn't have, I kept saying I didn't have informed consent. I wanted low dose radiation. I had high. And um, so they're, they spin it. This is what they're doing to spin it especially with the mammogram, they, you go in, you say, doc, how much, how much radiation is this mammogram? Cause I'm concerned. Oh, it's low dose radiation. It's the same as flying across the U S well, what they're talking about. I had to dig around and talk to a Columbia professor about this. He said, I don't know why they say things like that. They're talking about scattered radiation, which is totally scattered radiation from the mammogram that might, you know, reach your, your toe. <laughs> but they're not talking about the absorbed dose, which is the beam that's going right into your breast. And that's what causes cancer. And that is a heck of a lot higher. And there's different reasons it's higher. One is if you have dense breast tissue, they have to crank up the machine. When, you, when you're standing there with your breast in a vice grip, they're behind the shield and the radiation tech is looking at your dense breast saying, oh, I got to give this person a lot more radiation because the radiologist is not going to be able to read the scan. So unbeknownst to you, they're cranking up the radiation and they're probably taking another set of pictures. This is what my understanding is from a radiologist. And so now you're getting all this radiation. They told you it was the same as crossing, you know, flying across the U.S. and it's nothing close to that. And dense breast tissue, this is one of the big points. I didn't put this in my film because I came across it about a year later when I was still doing research on this. Um, the dense breast tissue is the most sensitive radiation sensitive tissue in the body. It's made up of epithelial cells. So the denser your breasts are, the more they have to radiate your breasts and the more chance you are to get induced breast cancer from the radiation. And then they're saying women with dense breast tissue, this is the CDC, they're up to you know six times um, more likely to get breast cancer. And we don't know why. They literally say, we don't know why. <laughs> well, why don't they know why, first of all? You know, that's scary. And second of all, if they do know and they're not telling us, that's also frightening. So this, you know, it's the 
the cell physiologists know this is going on. The radiation physicists know this is going on. But the word is not getting up the food chain. And the doctors are left in the dark, probably on purpose, but I can't prove that. But all of the associations are saying the same thing. A, um, the gyneco gynecology association, the radiation association, um, they're all saying, no, no, let's let's radiate them earlier at 40. Now they're, you know, the I think the radiologists would like to start at 35. And the younger you are, the more dense your breasts are. So that's a bad idea. And then you've got American Cancer is like, well, no, let's not, let's hold off until about 45. So they split the difference. And then the, the U.S. Preventive um, Task Service, which is a really important organization, they were the ones who started to re, um, raise the stink over we're radiating women too much and doing these mammograms way too often. And so they say start at 50. Now, I think they're starting to back down because they're feeling pressure. So the whole thing is still very fluid. And I think it's a potential conflict of interest, because when I cover, I have a book coming up, Follow the Science, that traces, you know, the money ties between government, public health, doctors, associations, and so on. But what are the money ties, if any, that could be influencing these recommendations? Who's benefiting from over radiating us, if that's happening, rather than just, you know, looking at the figures and doing it a safer way, if We'll talk about this in a minute, but if ultrasounds are safer and less risky, who is it who's making us get, and, and the insurance will only cover if we get the mammograms first? Well, this is, of course, just speculation. Um, but if I had to speculate and guess, um, the big mammography machines, they just came out with these new 3D machines, which, by the way, give women, unless they have a, there's a, there's a software attached to it, they're giving women twice the radiation amount over the old mammogram right there. And so they have these brand new machines, these hospitals just invested a million dollars, whatever it costs. And the um, radiation associations are just, you know, they're, they're, they're members and, and the, big, the big corporations that are making money off these machines. Um, it's, I mean, I can't point to anything else. I don't know why the OBGYN association is buying into this, but I guess if you went and looked at who's paying their, you know, the dues. And sometimes well, they don't. They not don't only that, them. like these in general, I haven't looked at the OBGYN association, but the medical associations in general are, in my experience, based on research, largely controlled by the industries that they're supposed to be, you know, right. looking at and overseeing. That's where they take the American Medical Association, which gets tons of funding from the pharmaceutical industry. And when I asked some years ago, wouldn't disclose how much that is. And the pharmaceutical industry and vaccine industry helped pay for their new headquarters in Chicago some years ago. Again, they wow. wouldn't say how much, but, you know, the American Cancer Society takes money, as I learned from the cancer-causing industries, to, in my view, deflect from some of the true causes of cancer and just say women should get their mammograms instead. I, I did that story years ago. There's a potential link between breast cancer and antiperspirants that was long known and proven in some studies as a possibility. And the FDA was secretly, you know, kind of toying with how to add warnings when the industry didn't want it and kept referring me to the American Cancer Society to, to tell me this was all debunked. The chemical industry kept referring me to the Cancer Society to tell me it was all debunked. And when I asked the Cancer Society, they acknowledged they got money from the antiperspirant industry and wouldn't tell me how much. So I think all, and, and every question I asked them about the new studies linking antiperspirants to breast cancer, 
which their lead doctor, I believe his name was Ted Gansler at the time at the American Cancer Society, wasn't aware of the latest studies, but was nonetheless debunking that there was any tie, saying it was a myth. And when I told him about the studies, he asked me to fax them. He didn't even have them. This in the days of fax. I sent him the studies. And then when I asked him about it, all he would say is women would do a better job of just getting their mammograms than worrying about these slight risks of cancer from other causes. So I think in my view, my theory is they are basically paid by industry to deflect and just recommend mammograms instead of looking at these things that are causing cancer in our environment because the industries are funding these associations and societies. But sorry, I deviated for so long. No, no, it's, it's important that the uh, bra companies, I, I found a money trail to Susan Komen and they're denying that there's any connection between underwire bras and, and possible breast cancer, even though some research has, has proved, proven otherwise. And they took a large, you know, hundreds of thousands from one of the big bra companies. So, and insurance is somehow involved in this too. And I haven't quite figured out how, how that all well, connects. We in. do know that insurance is able to basically dictate our forms of treatment in this country, let's say during COVID. They're not going to fund the alternatives that the big pharmaceutical industries don't want funded because the pharmaceutical industry and, and insurance companies have mutually beneficial relationships through pharmacy benefit manager relationships and so on. They all make money together through their deals. And with the government, in secret meetings they have, I think every other year that press isn't allowed to attend, mm -hmm. They dictate prices for these things and what they're going to cover with Medicare and Medicaid and what they're not going to cover, which means people won't get those treatments. I mean, they're, they're really able to have a heavy hand in what we do with our bodies and the treatments we choose by influencing what gets covered by insurance and what doesn't. So I'm, I'm sure that that comes into play here as well. Yeah. And Medicare, I found out, as it sounds like you already know this, just runs everything. Um, Dean Ornish, actually, I interviewed him and he was the one who told me Medicare, if once you get ch Medicare changed, then all the independent um, insurance carriers start to, you know, reimburse the same. And then after that, the, the, yeah, and then it dribbles down into med school curriculum eventually and things will get changed that way. It's really interesting, but Medicare is huge. There's a lot of power. And of course, the people that make decisions political figures and agency heads who are appointed to look at these things are all influenced by industry money. I, there's very little separation anymore. And it, yeah, the revolving door problem, revolving door um, employment, where they go back and forth between academia, pharma, then the government, fat jobs there. And every time they go back to pharma, they get more and more money that way, bigger raises and bonuses and sit on boards, you know, they're all, they're all on each other's boards. Yeah. Oil sits on, you know, oil sits on pharma's board and vice versa. And the insurance companies are on this and that. And um, they're all just, it's just a big, big medicine machine, really. What proportion of women, if you know, have the problematic or potentially problematic, I guess, in this case, uh, dense breast tissue? So there's four categories, 10%, the lowest one is um, about 10% are mostly fat. Then the highest one on the total opposite spectrum is high, high density breasts. They're, they're at high risk for 
cancer, probably both because they can miss it on the mammogram, but also the radiation exposure they're getting, like I explained. And then the other two categories are somewhere in between. So, and there, a rule of thumb is what industry says is 50% of women have dense breasts, except for I've never, I've, I've only met one woman that said she doesn't have dense breasts. Everybody I know says that the mammogram shows that they have dense breasts because all of us do, 90% of us have some degree of, of dense breast tissue. So 50% though are in the top categories where mammogram, because if you look at a mammogram, there's, you can see the white dense breast tissue on it. Cancer shows up white also. And that's why mammograms are not that accurate because they can't differentiate between the cancer tumor and the dense breast tissue. That's why ultrasound is much more preferred. That's why we should be doing, they should be making ultrasound a primary screening tool. If they did that, if FDA did that, then Medicare would pay for an ultrasound instead of a mammogram for these women with in the higher categories that are at risk for induced breast cancer. But they won't do it. And they just had this big rulemaking that took, I don't know how many years, eight years to get finalized. And they didn't, they didn't change anything. They just said, you have to tell a woman she's got dense breast tissue. You have to tell her that her cancer by, might be missed. She's at higher risk for cancer. And we don't know why. That's what, they, that's what that big rulemaking came out with. They didn't change anything else. Much more after a short break. In this age of a highly controlled media landscape, it's never been more important to fight the heavy hand of censorship and support truly independent journalism. Go to CherylAxon.com and click on the store tab for a great way to do that. There are all kinds of fun and functional products designed specifically for independent and free thinkers like you, featuring slogans like, I tested positive for critical thinking, and I need to find some new conspiracy theories, all my old ones came true. Proceeds support independent journalism causes like the Ion Awards for off-narrative accurate reporting. Go to CherylAckeson.com and click the store tab today. When, what would happen, do you think, if I found a doctor or a test facility and just said, I'll pay out of pocket, which I think a lot of people probably can't, but what if I said, I want an ultrasound and that's just what I want as a patient and I have the money to pay for the service, would, would they do it? So there's two things I've heard about that. Some women are able to go to a, I guess you have to go to a private. If you go to a hospital and ask for that, they're going to say, no, you have to get the mammogram first. But if you go to a private um, screening facility or, you know, uh, in place, you know, next to a hospital that's not totally affiliated by, by them, you might be able to pay out of pocket. Um, and the other thing is if you, if you, there is a way for the doctor, I don't know what they do, but they can write around the, I don't know, is it DMSO code or whatever they have to get reimbursed, they can write around that and write a prescription for an ultrasound instead of the mammogram, explaining that you have extremely dense breasts. And so the mammogram is basically useless. You can do that. I just don't know how they do it. He told me about ultrasound. He said, it's fine if you know where there's a problem area. But to identify the problem area, you have to have the x-ray first. The ultrasound can't do that. I'm pretty, that's my takeaway of what he told me. 
Yeah, I think you told me that last time. And I, for the life of me, I don't know what they were talking about. Because if you have a good, if you have a handheld ultrasound, you can go all the way around the breast, you can go under the breast. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know why they would say that. Um, it doesn't make any sense to me. So you just mentioned on March 9th of this year, FDA announced updated mammogram regulations for women with dense breast tissue. Again, tell me, tell me how that turned out and what you think of that. Well, it's good that they did it. They're finally telling women federally, not just state by state, but federally, they're saying, yes, you have dense breast tissue. Okay, well, when I was told that the first time I went, okay, so, <laughs> you know, they didn't say what it meant. Well, it means that you, that mammogram is not going to pick up all your cancers, very important. It And plus, it means that you are, you know, you're more susceptible to radiation induced cancers that they're not going to tell you, but they will tell you that you're more, more uh, inclined to get breast cancer. They just won't tell you that it, it's possibly radiation induced. That's where the disconnect is. They don't want to scare women off from getting the mammogram and telling them that. And it's a basic fact that we have got to get out there. I, you know, another point, um, I was told that you would help make is FDA did not address that the calibration of mammography machines is all over the place delivering sometimes much more radiation than the FDA allowance. Gosh, tell me about that. Yeah, that that's in, I sent that into the FDA during their rulemaking and I got crickets back, but um, it's interesting. I came across this really well, well done study by um, a, a doctor a group of doctors and they said, we're going to talk about this, but we want you to know that we can't, we tripped into this, that the calibration of the machine is all over the place during, you know, from facility facility to facility. And they were really concerned. They said, sometimes it's too low <laughs> because then you won't pick up cancers. But most of the time it was way too high. They said crazy amounts of radiation. And so I talked to a radiologist about that. And he said, I said, well, how does that even happen? They said, well, the radiation physicist, they always, each facility has a radiation physicist who's supposed to keep an eye on how much the, the calibration of the machine. And if he doesn't do his job right, it just, it's a disaster. And I don't know why FDA is supposed to keep be keeping an eye on that and they're not. During the FDA rulemaking process that you mentioned um, about dense breast tissue, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists supposedly told the FDA women with dense breast tissue have a moderately increased risk for breast cancer. But you indicated it's not just a moderately increased risk. No, it's actually up to six times the risk. And that that actually is, you know, confirmed by a lot, a lot of sources. Um, and so it, neither them or Susan Komen mentioned ultrasound. They know this is going on, but they never talk about ultrasound. They totally leave it out of the equation. It's just, it's pretty infuriating. And I know a lot of women would prefer to get an ultrasound as, as I would and what I do actually. Um, on August 28th of this year, so not long ago, the Journal of the American Medical Association Internal Medicine ran results on a meta-analysis on cancer screening. And what did it conclude for breast cancer? said, current evidence does not substantiate the claim that common cancer screening tests save lives by extending lifetime. And so basically what they're saying is it's a wash. You might save some lives, 
but you're going to take a lot of lives. You're going to, and you're going to put a lot of people through treatments because misdiagnosis is rampant and overdiagnosis. And they're not counting. This does not count the people that are being, you know, induced can't breast cancers are being done on their breasts because of their dense breast tissue. So what are you recommending what women do in, in this time period, if their doctors aren't going to give them an ultrasound without an x-ray and our agencies and some of the others may be dropping the ball on this information. What, what are your thoughts? Well, um, so there's three, there's three um, tests of anatomy, MRI, which I wouldn't recommend because they have to put this dye into you. I wouldn't do that unless you had to. Um, mammogram, of course we know about, and ultrasound, which is non-radiative. All three of those are tests of anatomy. They're gonna pick up the tumor. The problem is the tumor has been there for at least two years, if not five, if not 10. It's not early detection. What you want to do is detect it early, which is why when I found out about this, I'm like, why aren't we doing this? And it's called a thermogram, which is a um, infrared camera. It's non-invasive. You, you take off your shirt and the person will point a camera at you, take pictures of your breasts. And what it can do is see inflammation in your breast. It's a, a test of physiology and the inflammation can be a precursor to cancer. So it's really a preventative test, unless you already have cancer. It's a it can be a preventative one. And I had a breast, my left breast had inflammation in it. And so, cause they can tell they, you know they do both breasts. So if there's a, one is warmer than the other, they know something's going on. So I reversed my, I changed my lifestyle and I was able to reverse that inflammation in a year and got my breast back to normal. So I think this tool is amazing. and. Um, Otis Brawley, who used to be the medical director at um, American Cancer Society, um, I interviewed him. And the first thing he said was, uh, mammography is a suboptimal test. We need a better test. And so I brought a woman, a medical doctor to him and showed him, look, this is what she's doing with ultrasound and thermography. Look at this. And he went, wow, this is fantastic. I think they should be studying that. And I said, can I quote you on that? And he said, yes. I said, good, because <laughs> I'm going to. Um, so that's what they need to do a big study. They study, they studied thermography back in the seventies and they didn't run it, the test correctly. And, uh, they had a radiologist run the thermogram, which they didn't know how to run the thermogram. So, you know, it wouldn't be an expensive study to do. And that's what I'm gearing up to go talk to Congress and see if they would consider doing this because, you know, FDA is just, they're not doing much at all. Well, so if in the meantime, I find a physician's office or scan office that will do thermograms. I'm sure there are some, maybe there are alternative medicine places or ones that just think a little differently outside the establishment. Would you recommend that's what to do? And then the people there would help guide you on whatever the findings are? Yeah. So what I recommend getting the ultrasound, um, again, you probably have to pay for it out of pocket or have a clever doctor because um, that will pick up a tumor just in case the thermogram, if you have something going on in both breasts, it's just a fail safe kind of, you know, but the thermogram, um, there are centers, I wouldn't recommend all of them because I think they don't have the right equipment or the operator doesn't know what they're doing. Um, so you have to be careful. It's not, it's FDA has approved the thermogram, but they have not regulated it. So in my film, there is a website that I direct people to go to and you, where you can find thermography centers that uh, this one doctor in particular recommends because he knows how they operate their centers. Um, 
but that's what I would, you know, if you want to get away from radiation and it's not fun because the doctors, a lot of times the doctors and the hospitals will call you up and harass you. My sister was harassed by one of them. It got kind of ugly. Come in and get your mammogram. Why are you just getting ultrasound? I mean, it's just ridiculous what they're doing. Well, it's scary when sometimes you know more than your specialist on, I'm not saying we're doctors, but sometimes we have researched a point and we suddenly, in speaking with a doctor, it becomes clear we know more about that point than they do. And it's, it's a little bit scary because they're pretty forceful about it. And they don't have time to do the research. Doctors are busy and they just, they just if, you know, if the gynecological association tells them this, then they're going to believe it and just do that. Where can people find Boobs, The War on Women's Breasts, your film? So it's at, you can find it at boobsdoc.com, B-O-O-B-S-D-O-C.com. That's my dis my distributor. Um, there are all kinds of things will pop up where you can watch it. And um, then I also have a blog. It's called blogonboobs.com. And that's got a lot of information in it for women on all these topics we just talked about and more. So I recommend they go there. Well, thank you for bringing this to light. I know a lot of women are going to be interested in hearing all about this. So it was great to catch up with you. And thanks for what you're doing. Thank you, Cheryl. Appreciate it. Introducing Whipped Seafoam Body Butter by Sirene Cosmetics. Hi, I'm Star, owner of the Lemonade Mermaid. Enriched with the nourishing powers of cocoa butter, mango butter, and shea butter, our body butter whisks you away to a world of deep hydration. Experience the essence of the sea with every application as this whipped delight leaves your skin refreshed, replenished, and ready to conquer the day. Visit thelemonademermaid.com and make your skin sing with the magic of the sea. Thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and that if you did, you'll leave us a great review, subscribe, and share it with your friends. Check out my other podcast, Full Measure After Hours. And now you can support independent journalism causes by visiting CherylAckeson.com and clicking on the store tab. There are some thought-provoking and fun products designed exclusively for independent and free thinkers like you, such as products with the slogan, I need to find some new conspiracy theories. All my old ones came true. Proceeds benefit independent reporting causes. Do your own research, make up your own mind, think for yourself.